MSW Media. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Hey everybody, how are you? Thanks for joining me. Got a big show today. I got one of the co-founders of a fine bourbon brand called Wolf Moon. He's also a country superstar by the name of Jason Aldean, although I mispronounced his name Aldean throughout the interview. Now, in my defense, I'm from Philly, so I blamed it on my accent, and also he kept calling me Dan when my name's Dan. Dan. Not Dan. Dan. So we're even. But it's Jason Aldean, uh, what a nice guy, excited for that one, going to be rolling that out a little bit later. Also, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to be telling you about several new products that should be on your radar. I got some whiskey, I got two tequilas, and a vodka to tell you about. That's going to be later in the show. But first, six years ago today, I looked at my calendar six years ago today. I was in Montana. I was about three, four weeks into the, this four-month journey around the United States visiting wineries that would eventually become my book, American Wino, A Tale of Reds, Whites, and One Man's Blues, available everywhere books are sold. Just saying. Get out there and get it, everybody. So I found myself in Montana, and in, since it is the six-year anniversary, I'm feeling a little nostalgic. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about that. I, you know, Having learned an immense amount from the sophisticated and highly proficient vintners of the Pacific Northwest. I had been in Oregon and Washington prior there, you know, and I had a lot of excellent wine. But then I think it was time to go see men with a capital M-E-N. So I jumped into my car. I called my car. I dubbed it Carl Vehicle. Those of you who have read the book or those who are going to get the book will become familiar with Carl Vehicle. And we got in there. I got in the car and I made tracks to a dude ranch. In Greeno, Montana, called the Resort at Paws Up. Paws, like a pet paws, dog paws, paws up. That's right, it was finally time to venture out of the safe confines of the West Coast, where world-class wine is made from San Diego to Shasta and all points in between. I had known that the wine there would be incredible. It was the next part. Big sky country I wasn't so sure about. I headed straight to Montana where the winters are long, the growing season is short, and the sheep are delicious. Still the aforementioned men, and that's capital M-E-N, and women, capital, everything is, everybody that lives up there, they're all caps in big sky country. So yeah, they managed to make wine up there despite what is a less than ideal climate and terroir. Okay, I won't even mince words. You'll be hard pressed to find a connoisseur who deem Montana wine palatable. It's a really inhospitable place to cultivate grapes, and the ones that do manage to grow there generally produce wine that bears a striking resemblance to Kim Jong-un. By that, I mean harsh and unbalanced. If you don't believe me, go ahead and try some. What's that? Your local wine merchant doesn't carry a single bottle of Montana wine? Hmm. 
must be a coincidence. None dare call it a conspiracy. Because it's totally not a conspiracy. Drinking Montana-made wine is like ordering Domino's pizza in New York City. You could do it, but you know, deep down, there are better options, and you're just hurting yourself for an entirely pointless reason. And that's David Blaine's job. Come on. Give the guy a little room to work. Now, please don't confuse my low opinion of Montana wine with a low opinion of Montana wine makers. It brings me great joy to know that they're attempting to make wine in Montana. When I was there, there were six bonded wineries six years ago, and there were six bonded wineries operating in our nation's 41st state. And every one of them is betting that if they can keep at it long enough, someday they'll produce fermented fruit juice good enough to deter assholes like me devoting podcasts to talking about how terrible it is or dare to dream induce the assholes from the legit wine publications to acknowledge their existence i guess what i'm saying is make no mistake we're all assholes in the booze trade this can do spirit in the face of such long odds and reason to me is what's made this the most prosperous nation on earth that and all the land we stole turns out you can save a lot of money by stealing and by enslaving people USA, number one. All right, I'm, I'm not getting, all right, I'm not going to go. All right. Okay. But while I may have found the vino in the last best place, that's what they call Montana, the last best place, I might have found it to be wanting, but I dug just about everything else about Montana. For one thing, it's impossibly gorgeous. As with Wyoming and Colorado, the Continental Divide splits the state into two distinct regions. There's the western half, where I drove in from, which is mountainous to the extreme. And on the east of the divide, it's just these rich river valleys, separate ranges with countrified names such as the Big Hole, Bitter Root, and Flathead. Montana goes on forever when you're driving across it. Not the way New Jersey or Maine go on forever. Driving across Montana is like having really great sex. You don't even care if you're going to get to the end point. You just want it to keep going. Traveling through Nebraska, on the other hand, is like jacking off in the bathroom at your parents' house. That's something all of us either have done or will do someday, by the way. So where was I? Oh, I was at the resort of Paws Up. It's located in the heart of the Blackfoot Valley, about 35 miles northeast of Missoula. It's a rarefied spot where the people who have more money than all the other people go to rough it in extravagant vacation homes, and go glamping. Google this word if you haven't swallowed poison and need to vomit immediately. The resort used to belong to Charles Lindbergh, great aviator Charles Lindbergh, and has been graced by the likes of Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, Brendan Fraser, Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, real Montana-type people. The only reason my poor ass ever got to stay there was because I'd managed to convince the resort's publicist I was writing some kind of luxury travel book. I gotta tell you, I, I was even surprised at how little follow-up the publicist did on that bit of bullshit. So I go to check in, and there's this wholesome gal at the registration desk. I'm gonna call her Marley. That's not her name, but I'll just call her Marley. And, you know, and I asked her, I said, hey, you guys get a lot of stars staying out here, huh? And she said, yeah, we do. And, and, I, and I mentioned that I'd read somewhere that Paul McCartney had stayed there and Mick Jagger. And she said, yeah, we get a lot of musicians here, yes. And I said, well, who else? And... Of course, she said, I'm not really supposed to say with a hint of embarrassment that I found achingly appealing. And then I kind of leaned in and said, oh, come on, prom, I won't tell anyone. Which, make no mistake, is not the first or last promise I will break. So she kind of leaned in and lowered her voice and she said, Carrie Underwood was here a few days ago. She was just, ah, I love her. And one of the guys from Pearl Jam, but 
I was off that weekend. Oh, and recently someone from a band that was supposedly pretty big in the 70s, the Dudes or something. And I was like, the Dudes? No, that's not it, she said. Something like that. Begins with a D. Donovan? No. The Doors? Um, Maybe. No, I don't think that's it either. So she looked to be about 23, 24. I don't mean she was born and she's just like 90 or 91. I was probably of legal drinking age when they cut the umbilical cord. Actually, I wondered whether Marley viewed me as potential hookup material or just another middle-aged prick from the big city who's too egotistical to realize what an ass he's making himself by hitting on her. I'm guessing she probably had to indulge all manner of horny old men at the resort paws up. God damn it. Getting old is weird. People don't look at you the same way. And by people, I mean women. So she handed me the key... Marley let me know there was a gift basket with food and wine in my guest house. And she said it was their little way of saying, welcome to Montana. So I'm about to walk out. She says, oh, one more thing, Mr. Dunn. Be sure not to leave any food items out on the counter overnight. You know, we recommend putting everything in the refrigerator before you go to bed. Of course, I said, okay, sure. Do Do you mind if I ask why? And then she said, first off, let me preface this by saying we haven't had any problems here recently. I want to assure you that it's perfectly safe. And she flashed this ever-so-slightly nervous smile. And then suddenly I was feeling anything but assured of my safety. And she continued, However, this is grizzly country, and the bears tend to be particularly active this time of year before they go off to hibernate. This was October, okay? So she said, as a precaution, and again, that's all it is, precaution, we advise all our guests to not leave any food out that might attract the bear's attention. Whereas I said, well, that's good to know. But of course... Again, Mr. Dunn, we haven't had any incidents. And I asked, you mean recently or ever? She said, trust me, you've got nothing to worry about. You're going to have a great time here at Paul's Up. Just be sure to put that food in the fridge, okay? And be sure not to leave that cabin door wide open either, I replied. And she laughed, or at least pretended to laugh. And and I said, you know, just out of curiosity, if something inside the cabin were to attract the grizzly's attention, and she cut me off, so, which is highly unlikely, yes, 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 but something did, how would it get into the cabin? For a moment, she clearly thought I was joking, but once she realized I wasn't, she leaned in and whispered, it's a grizzly. Right, I said. But again, she assured me there was nothing to worry about, nothing to worry about, exactly. Yeah, and I said, okay, and I asked if there's anything else I can help with and i picked up my bag and 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 i started to make for the door and she said well just call if you need anything else and and, and, and just before i got to the door i said i stopped and turned and came back if hypothetically a grizzly were to gain entry into my cabin what would be the smartest course of action she said well the chances of that happening mr donner i don't know no 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 i cut her i cut her i said hypothetically hypothetically yeah i said what should i do in the hypothetical event that happened Without missing a beat, she said, pray. And that made me laugh. For the first time since I arrived, however, she was stone-faced. Seriously, I asked. She said, it's a grizzly, Mr. Dunn. So I half-jokingly asked her there might be a spare shotgun lying around that I could borrow, you know, ensure my peace of mind. And she once again assured me I had nothing to worry about, and I asked her if she owned a shotgun, and she just smiled and said, a shotgun? I own five. So later on, I went down to the bar, and the bartender was a guy by the name of Alan Crabtree, really nice guy, and uh, he recommended a 2011 Murray Edwards Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. 
was sublime. I got to tell you, it really was. And we got into this conversation about the challenges of driving at night in rural Montana, where it's not uncommon to encounter large animals while moving at a high rate of speed. And he offered a couple of tips. I'm going to offer them to you as well. Always use your high beams and never swerve to avoid an animal. That's how people flip their vehicles. I asked him what the worst possible scenario would be in terms of beasts you might suddenly find yourself bearing down on in the middle of the road. And Alan said, well, you wouldn't want to hit a moose, that's for sure, or a bull elk or a bear. He said, mountain lions can cause some serious damage too, and antelope as well. So pretty much everything but squirrels and raccoons, I said. And he said, well, there's some big-ass squirrels in these parts too. Good news, Alan informed me. Everybody knows this, is if you did manage to mow down an elk and you survive, and that second part is key, you're free to take the meat for food. It's kind of like a combination of hunting and a game of chicken. Maybe a little more fair than the usual rifle business solution. At least this way you have skin in the game too. On the off chance the elk wins though, it probably won't eat you. They're not like us. All right, all right, all right. And now it's time to get to the interview with Jason Aldean. Aldean. It's Aldean. Damn it. Aldean. With me now is one of the co-founders of a fine bourbon brand called Wolf Moon. He also moonlights as an international superstar, don't we all? He's a three-time American country music entertainer of the year whose latest album, his ninth, titled Nine, is on its way to joining the previous eight as certified platinum. He's got 18 million albums sold, 23 radio chart toppers, and again... The man makes bourbon. Please welcome Jason Aldean. How are you, man? I'm good, buddy. How you doing, man? Uh, it's great to have you on the show, man. Fan of the music, uh, fan of, of your work, and I am a fan of this whiskey. Well, good. Good. I like it, man. It's, uh, you know, the whiskey's cool. It's uh, uh, it's a deal that I did with a couple friends of mine, that uh, Tyler Hubbard and uh, Brian Kelly from Florida Georgia Line. I've had them on my show talking about their old camp whiskey. Yeah, and this is part of the old camp family. It's, it comes from the old camp distillery, and um, so this was just something we wanted to do together, you know. And and I'm more, I'm more of a straight bourbon guy, you know. Theirs is the the peach pecan is part of the old camp brand as well, and uh, we, you know, I wanted to do something that was a little more of a straight bourbon, and uh, so we partnered with those guys on this, and you know, and it's one thing to to get into, involved in something like this. It's, a, it's another thing when you can do it with guys that are your friends and, uh, and the product's good. You know, I think that's, that's the main thing is you don't want to tell your friends to go get something that's, that's, you're not proud of. So, you know, it took us a while to kind of really get it down to what we wanted it to be. And, and once we did, you know, we, we finally had a chance to launch it this year. So the plan, as I understood it was to launch it at your concert back in February, which you did. And then, take it out on tour, which is what, you know, the Kenny Chesneys of the world have done and people like that. It's been a very successful strategy for people and, and, and Florida Georgia line did the same thing that got derailed. So what have you, how have you pivoted? Well, you know, I think for us, it was just that, that was kind of what our game plan hinged on, you know, was going out on tour and uh, really kind of promoting it on tour this year because it was going to be the first year it was out and um, just doing a lot of stuff around the shows and, and the tour that, uh, just kind of coincided with, with the, with the bourbon and with the fans and kind of getting them familiar with what it was and, uh, the brand itself. So, 
once the tour got canceled, it kind of just, it set us back a little bit as far as, as our strategy on how we were going to promote it. And, um, so that's something, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we weren't in a hurry to, to rush and try and do something because we couldn't do what we wanted to do. Uh, we still plan to do it the way we wanted to do it initially. We just probably have to wait a little while longer, but you know, it's already out there. I mean, this, this thing's in, uh, I think over 4,000 stores in 35 States or something. So, I mean, it's, it's out there and it's available to get, but, um, we haven't been able to, to, to do the promotion like we really wanted to. So we just kind of put that on hold for a second and uh, we're going to, we're going to pick back up and do it like we wanted to. And just so everybody knows what we're talking about here, this is a, you know, uh, Wolf Moon is an 80 proof bourbon. It's distilled Midwestern grains. It's got, it spends four years in new charred American Oak. Uh, all bourbons got to be aged in new charred American Oak. One of the things people think is barrels. It doesn't actually have to be in a barrel. It could be in a new charred American oak box. Doesn't happen, but I'm just letting you know that. And I would say, uh, you know what? What the hell, Jason? I'll pop in a little bit right now. It's just too early to be drinking. Not at all, man. So I'll throw this in here. You, I would love to get your, but I'm going to tell you right off the bat with me, I'm getting, you know, this is a very, uh, it's got this like sweet corn flavor, some toffee going on there. A lot of, uh, it's got some some fruit on 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 the palate as well what went into developing this flavor profile uh you know i think for us it was just like you said i mean it's um you know different barrels and, and things like that that it goes into i mean obviously when um you know the process of, of having it in there for four years or at least four years in, in a lot of cases uh you know that's where a lot of it's going to come from so you know sometimes it, to me i, I get a, a little bit of like it's a little sweet, a little smoky, and it's, um, you know, it's just one of those things where we had different ones, you know, it kind of came from, from, uh, I guess, different, different ways they were doing it. And they sent us a lot of different ones to try, you know? And so I sat there and, and, and tried a lot of different ones and, and really tried to hone in on, man, you know, what it was that I thought tasted like, I don't know. I, what you want, I, what you want to be they, drinking on tour, because that's yeah, what you're, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I think there's a, I think there's a fine line of, of things that have a little too much of, of one thing or, or not enough of the other, you know? And, and so really trying to dial that in on, uh, you know, it wasn't something, I mean, this was something we want to take our time on, you know, if you're going to put your name on something and have it out there, you want it to be right. And so, you know, it was kind of one of those things where we're back and forth, you know, you were looking for, you were looking for a balanced whiskey and I think you've, and I yeah. think, you, and I think you've hit on it. I think it really is. It's got, you know, it's well, not, yeah. not too much, not too much bite. You know, it's not, you're not getting crushed there with the alcohol then at 80. And again, it's not, it's not by any means a cloyingly sweet whiskey, but there is a right. sweetness to it. And I think honestly, that is something that is appealing to a lot of people. Well, I think that's the thing. I mean, even for me, you know, when I'm drinking bourbon, you know, I want something that's smooth. that's going to go down that I can sit there and sip on. And it's not, you know, I'm not like, it's not burning me up every, with every sip that I take, you know? And I, and I think that's a, that's a fine line of it. You know, you still want to have that, uh, you know, that little bit of bite that bourbon has to it, but, um, but also to where it's not like overpowering. And, and I think, you know, finding something that you can just stick an ice cube in and sit there and drink it to me, that that's the way I want to drink it. And, and, and that's exactly what it is here is because when you have that and we have the, the flavor profile that you have with this particular whiskey, an ice cube in there, as it starts to melt, right, it starts to take, you know, the, the, that sweetness starts to go down a little bit and it just gets that right. right to that perfect sort of enjoyable sipping, especially on a warm day. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And, uh, you know, it's just, to me, that's what it's about. You know, it's, um, you know, I'm not a guy that likes to, I mean, you know, you can take kind of junk whiskey, I guess, sometimes and mix it with stuff to make it taste better, but we wanted something that that you didn't have to put anything in it, you know? And, and like you said, just something you can sit back and, um, you know, get a, get a fire going at night. TV, sit back and drink a little whiskey. Now, between you and the guys from Florida Georgia Line, Brian and Tyler, who can best handle their whiskey? Uh, I don't know, man. I would say, you know, I would say all three. I don't think I don't think Tyler's a, a huge drinker. BK's, you know, he, he like he's not a huge drinker, but he likes to drink. Uh, he's he's he likes old fashioned, so he likes to take it and, and make it old fashioned and. Um, I'm probably the, I'm probably the one that, that drinks it straight. And, uh, I'd like to say I could handle it better than those guys. I don't know what they would say. (laughs) Now you, uh, you mentioned liking it straight. What are some of your favorite cocktails and not even just whiskey cocktails, just in general. I mean, if you're going to order a cut, you go out, you're at a bar when back in the days we could go to bars uh, and you're going to order a cocktail. What are you going to get? Um, typically I'm like, uh, you know, I'll drink like vodka soda, you know, it, it kind of, to me, it just depends on like what I'm into, what I'm feeling that particular day. Like you said, I mean, for me in the, when it's the colder time of year, that's typically when I prefer to drink whiskey. Um, you know, in the summer months, it's more, you know, a little lighter. Uh, so probably like, you know, vodka soda or something. I'm a tequila guy too. I love tequila. Oh yeah. Um, so, and then, you know, there's times where in the summer, I just want, just beer, you know, just like a, just a normal beer. So uh, it just kind of depends on, on the time of year and, and how I'm feeling that particular day. So there's a rich history of country songs about whiskey. Do you have some favorite whiskey centric songs? Yeah, man, we just had one not too long ago called Drowns of Whiskey, a song that we cut with Miranda Lambert. Um, so that one I think is uh is is a big one we had one you know called any old bar stool that's uh, another one you know country country music and, and whiskey go hand in hand man it's just you know it's part of the business i feel like so if you don't have a song about drinking whiskey then uh, i think you're doing it wrong <laughs> exactly all right so let me throw this out to you and it doesn't necessarily it doesn't have to be country who are your top three Boozy crooners. I mean, these are singers that are known for their love of of booze, and they could and they bring it to the music and the attitude and everything. Who's your top three boozy crooners? Uh, I would say Hank Williams Jr. is one for sure. I would say uh, I'd say Axl Rose, Guns and Roses. All those guys were hell yeah, hell yeah. And uh, who would be my third one? Maybe, uh, maybe Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> back in the day, right? I think, I think Ozzy sobered up now, but uh, yeah, back He's in the sobered day. Now, but not always. <laughs> I talk about crazy train Ozzy. Oh yeah. Well, you got a song called, uh, any old bar stool. And I, you mentioned drinking Jack and Coke. Are there any plans to amend that when you're playing it live now? Wolf moon and Coke. What do you do now? You can't be plugging Jack Daniels. Hey, you got your own brand. No, I know. I know. I got to start figuring out how to, uh, how to change some lyrics around and, and it's definitely something now, like when you hear a song and it, you know, and it mentions, you know, any other kind of whiskey or whatever, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out how to make it work with, with our brand. You know, I mean, I think that's part of it. That's, that's the beauty of, 
uh, of having something like this and us doing what we do for a living, you know, you can kind of help bridge the gap between the product and the people and, and kind of making it, you know, cause for any branding thing, it's just, it's people seeing it and hearing it repetitively over and over and over and over. I mean, things like Jack Daniels and Jim Beam and all these other things. I mean, they're, you know, they are what they are because they've been around the longest, you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. it's just a staple of Americana at this point. So, um, you know, and it just takes time to make that happen. So yeah, that's anything we can do to kind of help that out. I'm sure we'll look at. On this show, we're fortunate enough to get a lot of notable people that are involved, celebrities that are involved in brands and almost across the board, they all express a real satisfaction with being in that business as opposed to whatever they're, if they're an actor or the director or they're a musician, how has the the adult beverage business been for you so far, your engagement. And now obviously it's a little bit of a different year than scenario than normal, but have you enjoyed it? Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, I mean, but you know, I like the creative process of stuff too. You know, I like taking things that, you know, that are from the ground up, you know what I mean? As far as, I mean, I did it with my career. We've got a a restaurant here in town that we've done that with. Now we've got the, the bourbon, you know, so I like taking things and seeing where it starts from and seeing what you can do with it, you know, just watching it grow and, and kind of taking off. So, uh, it's definitely been something that, that I think is cool. Um, you know, and it, to me, it's getting involved in things that, uh, that are authentic to me and, and to what I do. I mean, uh, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. I don't, I don't really care, you know, how much money's involved or, or whatever, if it's not something I believe in or, or something that I, feel passionate about and strongly about, then, you know, I don't want to be a part of it. So uh, just the fact that I'm involved in this at all tells you, you know, how, how excited I am about it. Speaking of excitement, you are a, you're born in Macon, Georgia, and you're a big uh, Georgia Bulldogs football fan. They are currently, I believe, ranked number four in the country. You got to be excited about that. But I got to ask you, are you, how optimistic are you that they're actually going to make it through this season? Uh, you mean football in general? In general, yeah. You know, I'm I'm optimistic, man. I mean, I, I feel like at this point, uh, you know, we've been dealing with this stuff now for what six six eight months, whatever it's been going sure. on now. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I feel it's I feel like at some point, you know, we we got to get things back to normal or at least attempt it. And to me, uh, you know, sports is such a big part of our culture, and and I feel like somebody has to take the lead on that, whether it's sports or whether it's whoever somebody's got to take the lead on it to to get back to to what we know is normal because this what's been going on this whole year has just been wild you know and and so i think no not everybody can be scared to to get back and and you know somebody's got to make the leap so if it happens to be the sports world then i'm all for it and and i think uh i feel pretty optimistic that you know, it, it'll, it'll go on as normal. I just, I can't wait to see fans back in the stands, to be honest with you. Tell you about it. Yeah. I mean, who's your favorite, uh, Georgia Bulldog? You got one all time. They have a for, lot of great players. A lot of great players have been there. Yeah. All time. My favorite all time player for Georgia, obviously is Herschel Walker. When he was, uh, he was at Georgia. My first memories of Georgia football were him when I was about three, four years old. So he was a beast. He just ran over yeah. people, man. Yeah. So he was, he was great, you know, but over the years, I mean, you got to see, you know, Todd Gurley, no Sean Marino, AJ Green, Matt Stafford. I mean, I've gotten to watch all those guys play there, but Herschel was just a, he was a special player. I'll throw you, I'll throw one guy out here and he's one of the very first people 
under the radar to get into the uh, to get into the again we'll call it the adult beverage business. He was in the wine business. Was is Terry Hoke? Remember Terry Hoke? Terry Hoke, Terry Hoke yeah. was on the national championship team, and I think in the early eighties, and went the pros, won the Super Bowl. Terry Hoke started a winery out here. Uh, in Paso Robles, uh, Central Coast of California. Yeah. It's been very successful. Again, really under the radar, but one of the very first athletes to to do this. I met Terry a long time ago, and he was doing, he's been doing wine for about 20 some years, I think. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. He was on the national championship team with Herschel. That's right. Yeah. What an amazing yeah. team that was. <laughs> now, I got, one, I got one more for you here. I, it's a segment we do called Three Songs, Three Drinks. I throw out three songs. I want you to tell me what you would pair it with. It could be a cocktail. It could be anything. It, it could be Wolf Moon, but it, it doesn't have to be. It could be any drink that comes to mind. You're going to pair three songs, three drinks. First song is Dirt Road Anthem. Uh, I just say uh, Bud Light. Bud Light. Dirt Road Anthem. <laughs> like All right. Just a beer. That's good. I like it. Uh, the next song is your first number one hit, Why? Uh, why? I think I think that's uh, I think that's Wolf Moon on the rocks. Wolf Moon on the rocks. Simple. I like this yeah. man. You're keeping it easy. Yeah. Okay. The final song, our third song, is not one of yours, but I'm sure it's one that has influenced you. Lost Highway by Hank Williams. Are you drinking with Lost Highway? Ooh. Um. That might. That might be tequila out of the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> In the bag, still right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, I want to say congrats to you, man, by the way, not just for the whiskey, but you uh, last year you became in 2019, you became only the sixth artist to receive the American Country Music Dick Clark Artist of the Decade Award, right? Which is really impressive. How, how does it feel when you get those kind of accolades? Uh, it's pretty wild, man. I mean, obviously a big honor for me, but, uh, you know, it's just crazy that that's something that I started doing in my in my bedroom, you know, playing guitar and just, you know, so I could sing with my dad and, you know, something that just really started as a hobby has, has turned into this career that I've had. And, and you look up and, you know, I used to watch all these shows on TV when I was a kid and, um, you know, to not only be at those shows, but we be winning those same awards that I used to watch. And, uh, you know, it's just pretty mind blowing, man. I mean, it's just, it really is a dream come true. And, um, just, really thankful that I've had the career that I've had and, and people supported it like they have. And, and I've been allowed to, to wake up every day and go to work and do something that I truly enjoy doing. Well, you come from, from a humble background, right? I mean, your, your mom and dad, you were George, your mom and dad split up. You're kind of splitting time between the two of them in a situation like that. You know, it's easy to go astray, right? I mean, to make, but how were you able to, it seemed like from a very young age, you were very focused on what you wanted to do, right? Yeah, I mean, my parents divorced when I was three, and uh, my dad lived in Florida, my mom lived in Georgia, and my mom, you know, raised me, and I would go stay at my dad's in the summer, And uh, but my dad was Air Force, he was in the military, um, you know, my mom was a single mom, and, and so, you know, I was just, I don't know, I, I just never wanted to, uh, uh, I don't know, we, we just we didn't have a whole lot, you know what I mean? And, and I always kind of wanted to make things easy on my mom, especially. And, um, you know, so I, I went to work, you know, as soon as I could start going to work, man, I'd go to work and, and try and help out with stuff and, um, and just start. Then I got to a point where I started playing music and it was like, man, I can go play music and make a hundred bucks in a night. Like this was crazy, you know? So I started doing that and, and it just, um, you know, my parents raised me, uh, you know, I, 
I'm, I feel like pretty well and uh, kind of instilled a lot of those things in me. And, and both my parents, you know, came from, uh, you know, government housing in the projects growing up, you know, they were, they were both, you know, pretty poor and, and uh, you know, both got out of that and went to school, made something out of themselves. And, and so I've always been really proud of them for that. And cause you know, I could have, I mean, they could have stayed there and I could have fell into that too. And um, they just kind of wanted better, you know, and, and so they worked hard. And so uh, I think that was, that was a lot of probably why, why I am the way I am is, is because of those two. Well, they did a good job, man. You're, uh, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> it's very impressive. I, uh, I want to thank you for taking this time and I want to encourage everybody out there to get Wolf Moon. It is a, it's a fine whiskey, man. And it's, it's priced with, it's under $30, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other thing is just, uh, you know, we wanted to, to put a price point on this to where it was like, you know, people it's, it's affordable. It's, it's not one of these, you know, whiskeys that's like you have to put on the shelf and and drink it every you know pull it out once a year and drink a little bit it's like man this is this is something you can go get it's not crazy you can enjoy it and it's good you know it's something that um you know is going to stand up i feel like going to stand up to anything else that that you could go out there and get so um you know get it and, and don't don't be scared to drink it multiple times during the week you know what i mean Fantastic. Well, Jason Aldean, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And I hope to uh, see you have some whiskey with you in person one of these days, man. I'd love it, man. Absolutely. Folks, I've never admitted this on the show before, but I'm a guy. Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. How? Well, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair, and your hair will take care of you. Yeah. I should just have a drum beat going all the time. I like it. So as promised, I got some new products to tell you about. Bunch of stuff. I'm not good at mixing. Maybe add some bass. That's all right. Huh. Enough, enough, enough. Okay, new products to tell you about. Stuff you ought to be drinking. First up, we got Magenta. Uh, what is it? M-I-J-E-N-T-A. It's a new artisanal carbon neutral tequila from the highlands of Jalisco. Former Bacardi CEO created this thing, or he brought it into existence, got the money, did whatever. It's a small batch tequila. Uh, I was not on my radar. I came and I, I picked up a bottle uh, recently and tried it. And I got to tell you, I really liked it. The Blanco, very bright. Uh, it had a lot of uh, honey notes on it, some like some uh, toffee and vanilla and a lot of floral, just fruit. It's a ve- very uh, lively 
sprightly. Spread there was like peach and melon and pie. I, it was it kind of caught me by surprise. This this tequila magenta, fifty bucks. You can get it at uh, Reserve Bar Shop Magenta dot com. I don't know wherever you, wherever you get your spirits. I think they got a reposado coming out too at the end of the year. But right now, I believe it is just the blanco from Magenta, and it's got a it's got a cool bottle, and that matters to me. Especially because I spend so much time at home now. What's this? What am I looking at all day, every day? I'm looking at bottles of alcohol. So I want them to look good. And, uh, the, oh yeah, the guy's name is Mike Dolan, who was the former CEO of Bacardi. And um, he got involved with the Maestra Tequila era, Anna Maria Romero. She actually oversaw the whole creative process from harvest to bottle. And she brings over 25 years of experience to the tequila in the tequila industry. So magenta telling you, go get it. 50 bucks a bottle. I will stay with tequila too. Got another one here from, uh, tequila Heredora. I love tequila. Heredora. This is the anniversario. This is a tequila that was aged a hundred months. That's more than eight years. That's extraordinary. Unheard of. So to Howard Doerr is commemorating their 150th anniversary, and that's anniversario. That's what the, I believe that's what the word means. And uh, there's a new limited re- release that they've got out, and I don't know what it is. I don't know how much it costs, but I'll tell you what. It's, it was aged in virgin white American oak barrels for 100 months. It's just a really mature and complex spirit. Obviously, there's a lot of toasted oak on there from the wood, the roasted agave flavor, though, comes through, as does almonds and fruit and cinnamon. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I need to get that sound drop from uh, Dumb and Dumber. I like it a lot. But I do. And uh, I would recommend that one as well. Tequila, Heredora, Anniversario. Okay? Okay? We got a vodka here, and this is a really interesting one called Haymakers, made here in California with sweet apples, and whole white potatoes. That's right. All farmed here in California. What they do in the fall season, the apple juice is pressed from whole fruit. It's fermented and distilled to neutral brandy. Separately during the summer harvest season, potatoes are mashed, fermented, and distilled into a neutral spirit. And then those spirits are blended. They're brought together. They're married. They're mixed. They're mushed together. And then they're redistilled. And then they go through a charcoal filtration five times distilled in the pot in the pot still and haymakers vodka man it's kind of blown me away i i I, what i find is because there's no grain alcohol involved it's really smooth and with the red apples being half of the raw materials it's slightly sweet on the palate very soft on the nose and it's 30 bucks i don't know if you can get it outside of california but you know maybe you can if not (laughs) i'm in california i can get it and what does it taste like? Well, uh, you know, I, again, it's, it's just clean and earthy and, and, and very soft. And it's just a, it's a really delicious vodka. Can I say that? Can I say that? You might want to, you can mix it with some stuff too, like some lemon, agave, ginger, blanc vermouth, olive brine. It's, it's a good, good for making cocktails as well. It's called Haymakers, H-A-Y makers, apostrophe S, Haymakers vodka. Get it. Just do it. Damn it. I have to beg you to do things. Why do I have to plead with you to drink? It's not my job. Where was I? 
Where was I? Oh, I got one more thing. One more thing to tell you about. And this one is, you you don't have to bust out the wallet if you want to do this, but it's, hey, regular listeners to this show know that I love Whistle Pig. And it's one of my favorite whiskeys in the world. And, And Whistle Pig whiskey, rye whiskey, they just came out with the latest installment in their Boss Hog series, the Boss Hog 7 Magellan's Atlantic. Oh, boy. It just It's their continued quest to take American whiskey into uncharted territory. This limited edition features a, it's got a straight rye whiskey aged 17 years in American oak, and then it's finished in rare Spanish oak, followed by a second finishing in South American teak wood casks. Where the hell do you get South American teak wood casks? People are crazy. I guess you get them in South America. But it's a journey, right? There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of elements in play. Obviously, it's named after a historic voyage. They went from Spain and they made landfall in present-day Brazil before navigating the perilous strait that would become to bear their captain's name, the Strait of Magellan. So I guess what they're saying is like like his arduous journey, the same thing happened with this whiskey. Very arduous journey to get into that bottle. And I love it. On the nose, it's just intensely aromatic. There's allspice, there's maple, there's there's wood and vanilla and almonds and can i keep going ground espresso like i'm gonna take a sip of my coffee right now i'm drinking coffee today by the way Mm. and it oh just on the i could just smell it i don't have to drink it but if you want to drink it if you want to drink it well i recommend doing it now what's the price this oh i should mention the proof Let's mention the proof. It's a hundred and between a hundred and five and a hundred and seven, kind of where it is. But you're wondering, what's the price? Well, how about I build a little suspense, huh? How about more suspense? How about a car crash? How about I fart in your general direction? That enough? How about I shake it up? Oh, I'm loving it. I'm just loving it. All right. Where was I? Oh. It's $500 a bottle. But you're worth it. You're worth it. That's going to do it for this episode of What We're Drinking. I want to thank Jason Aldean. I said it right. Jason Aldean. Yeah, this guy. I'm going to play you exactly 15 seconds of this song, because that's all we get. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, but many thanks to Jason Aldean for coming on the show. Thanks to the fine folks in Montana, Paul's Up, who hosted me when I was there and helped me write a book in some ways. And, um... Yeah, and thank you, everybody. Thank you. Follow me at The Imbiber on Twitter and Instagram. Chime in. There's some video up there of Jason Aldean. Who doesn't want to see him? I do. You do. Go there. And we fucking rock out.
having way too much fun now. I'll just stop. I'll just go. I'll go. 